Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Rabbit out of my hat. Again? <laughs> 
Not enough must leave. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, this is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater before we get blown away by Hurricane Elsa. And don't forget, if you want to uh, hear any of our past shows for the last 11 years, go to our uh, website, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the archive page. Good evening, Tommy. Good evening, Robert. Yeah, we're going to ride like the wind here in a little bit, aren't we? Uh, well, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's that time of year. But you know what? I want to wish everybody a happy uh, New uh, No, what was this the other day? It was 4th of July. So I think I forgot to say that last week on the radio show. You know how it is. You make your notes. You see me scribbling here all the time. And, uh, you know, we uh, uh, sometimes I just forget my notes. That just happens. So big shout-out to my friends over at Tri-City Bolt and Screw. Uh, Midway Shoe Repair, because, you know, they fixed my shoes. And uh, Tri-City Bolt and Screw, you know, I always get my nuts and bolts there. They're in Pinellas Park also. And, um, and today I uh, enjoyed some fine dining at Pyology. If you haven't checked that place out, it's down in uh, Seminole Mall, or what's now the new Seminole Mall, I guess, something like that. It's on the corner of Seminole and Park Boulevard or something like that, or whatever road that is. Somewhere down there in, in Seminole. Ha, how about that? I said Seminole, Seminole, Seminole three times. Anyway... Um, we got a great show for you now. We've got a very special guest. We're back to hosting musicians again. And, we, of course, we always enjoy that. And uh, But we do have a little uh, interesting thing going on out there. So just in case something happens and we go blank during the middle of the show, don't worry. We'll be back. Um, we're here every year. But faithfully been doing the show for 11-plus years. Wayne's, rain, Wayne, Wayne, rain, snow, sleet, or shine. Now, the, the rain and the sleet and the shine, well, probably haven't had snow and probably haven't had sleet, but we have had hail, right, Tommy? And uh, I got dents in my old truck to prove it. Um, but at any rate, so this past weekend, what did we do? Well, we went to a little British car show thing up there in, uh, in, the, in the north, and uh, that was kind of cool, you know, hung out with some guys, had some pretty cool cars. Something you don't see every day, TR7 with a VR, or TR8, actually, with a V8 in it. A couple MGs, MGBs, MGTDs, MGAs, MGBs. Um, let's see what else. I still got to fix the brakes on Miss Money Penny. I haven't gotten around to do that yet. Got a little leak. I'm trying to sort out. But hey, that's the way it goes with uh, cars. Cars are cars are cool. And uh, wow, you know. The weather has kind of messed everything up a little bit, so there hasn't been too much going on. But those of us who have been in Florida for a long time, we know it's just the way it is. You know, I, I grew up in Northern California, so, you know, every once in a while we get this little ground-shaking experience. I think they call it an earthquake. But all the years that I lived there, and I was growing up in Northern Cal, um, just north of the San Andreas Fault, I think that's what it was. No, we I don't know, I'm sure. We had one in San Francisco. Maybe that was it. it was any, I think that's what it was, because down south they have another one. I can't remember. It's been a while. Forgive me. Dementia setting in and old age and all the other good stuff. 
So, and I'm getting close to getting uh, Medicare, so that's all I, you know, if I can if I can live to make it to Medicare, I guess I'll do it pretty good. Right, Tommy? <laughs> so, but we're going to play some cool music tonight. And uh, we got a really, like I said, we got a really cool guest on. And so, but there's some car shows coming up. And of course, the big one, the big one, my favorite show of the year, Monterey Collector Car Week. Uh, I still haven't figured out how I'm going to get there, if I'm going to get there, because I refuse to wear a face diaper. Don't buy any of that crap. And I, today, I'm just boggled my mind. There's still people out there wearing them, um, you know, facial jock straps. But it's just really stupid. Uh, the whole thing's a joke. Anything the government says is a joke. Joe Biden's a joke. Anyway, joke Biden. Hey, that's it. I like that. But anyway, let's off the politics. But at any rate, um, so I got to get out to California somehow and because uh, my uncle's expecting me there and so is everybody else. Because, you know, when you go to these major events, if you've been doing them for years and years and years like I do, they're kind of like a family reunion. It's one thing if you go to weekly car shows and you see people all the time and, you know, yeah, you're kind of, you know, like we, we, you know, in the old days when we used to hang out here in Gulf of the Bay at Pantry Pride. I'm sure there's some listeners out there that uh, probably did that as well. I mean, first thing we did on a Friday, Saturday night, sometimes a Monday night, sometimes a Tuesday night, sometimes a Wednesday night, sometimes a Thursday night, even on a Sunday night. But at any rate, we always go to Steak and Shake, which was right there in the corner of Saturn. Is it Saturn, Gulf of the Bay? Is that where it was? And uh, that's where we hung out, you know, and we uh, had our little burgers and fries and milkshakes. And if we were really, really clever and good, you'd drive off and take the tray with you and all the glasses and the wrappers and the whole nine yards. I, I am guilty of that. I have some trays and I have some don't have any of the wrappers and still get those. But I do have some glasses. In fact, I was over at a lady's house the other day when I was looking at her uh, 70 Mercury Co- or Torino Cobra in her. Uh, 1929 Model A, she asked me if I wanted a glass of water. I said, sure, I'll take a glass of water. And she says, you don't mind a steak and shake glass? I said, no, I got a few of my own. It feels right at home. And uh, so that was pretty cool. But at any rate, and then we would pull out in the parking lot, and, you know, we'd go south just for a little bit, and we'd smoke the tires into the first uh, lane change thingy there in the middle. And then we would, you know, burn the tires some more up all the way into the parking lot at uh, Steak and Shake, and that's just what you did. You know, it was cool. Cops, yeah, sometimes they'd make... If you were reckless, really, really, really reckless back in the day, the cops would kind of get on your butt. If you were just loud, noisy, and just kind of slightly obnoxious, they didn't really bother you too much. My goal back then was to have a really, really loud car. I don't know why, but, you know, I had these headers on the... They were what they call header mufflers. I don't even know if anybody's got... I think I found a set of those laying around. But I had a set called the Purple Hornies. What a name, right? Purple Hornies. And what they were was had a mufflers, but they unscrewed, and they had fiberglass packing in. You take the packing out of it, and they really got loud. But they were, you know, too loud. You know, you just keep stuffing stuff in there because they had a pipe down the center, and you just keep threading it down in there, and that was it. But they dumped out right by my... right under the seat. You couldn't hear anything. You, you know, of course, back then I was running 514 gears, so, you know, meh, didn't matter anyway. All I wanted to do was go fast. And then, of course, when we street raced, we just basically took the speed nuts off and uh, dropped two bolts down, took two bolts out, flipped it down to the downside, and then you had a little bracket thingy there you made, and then you ran open headers, and then we just went out to the cars when we street raced. But that was it. We went to Steak and Shake, and then we went to Pantry Pride. When we were being called a Pantry Pride, because there was a Pantry Pride. Remember Pantry Pride, the grocery store? Oh, uh, yes, be, I do. Yeah, and Capone's is still there. Of course, it was there. And, of course, now I think it's Gordon's Food Service. 
and uh, and uh, and the county moved up there. They got their little, uh, you know, Pinellas County has got their little tax thing, you know, where you can get your driver's license, your license plates, and all the other good stuff there. So, you know, it's like the North County or Central County um, tag agency or whatever. So, so much for the good old days. The good old days. I don't even know where, I mean, you know, it was fine to go racing on a street, on track was cool, you know, and that was neat, you know, because you're sitting there and you're staging, you got the lights and the bleach box and all that kind of stuff. And like a dope, you know, you really needed to pay attention to the light. But a lot of times you were looking at the other driver because whatever, when he flinched, you flinched and you took off. So two schools of thought on that. But most guys usually um, took off, watched the light and, um, at any rate, but there's something about street racing, and I can't explain it. I know you're not supposed to do it, and I shouldn't be advocating it, but it is a blast, you know, on uh, street racing. It's just, uh, but, you know, again, the times are changing. It's a generational thing, and oh, well. Anyway, on that note, I think we will ride like the wind and play a little. I think you got uh, Chris Cross t- uh, tuned up. This song came out in 1980. I remember I was up in uh, North Carolina. I was going from... Uh, Charlotte to Asheville, North Carolina, and it was a blizzard out, and this song came on. So every time I hear this song, I think of that blizzard in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars Don't Touch That Dial. We'll be right back.
Best Brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. We're back and you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's getting close to bringing in our guests. Now, notice if uh, you pay attention to this radio show, generally when we have a guest on, we usually kind of tune the show towards the guest. So, for example, you know, if he likes westerns, for example, we'll play some westerns. If he likes uh, classic music, we'll play classic music. Um, if he's a direct race car driver, you know, we might have uh, certain sound effects. If he drives Porsches, Porsches, Cobras, Cobras, and so on and so on. And if he's a musician, we will have musical sound effects. So anyway, on that note, um, what was I talking about? Oh, I was talking about street racing, uh, which I, we should be. No, no, that's a no-no. Um, no, but it's fun. A- anyway, get out there and drive your cars. Oh, yeah, Monterey Collector Car Week's coming up. So Monterey Collector Car Week is the uh, third week. Usually it's the third week i got to check the schedule again here because I can't remember because what was interesting is we had Bill Warner on our show last week. Bill's a good friend of mine, and I like him a lot. You know, And, of course, he's the founder and chair, chairman of uh, probably the, the, the best show for car guys because it is a combination of, I mean, for car collectors and sophisticated car people because Amelia Island just really has the best of the best, the people, the cars, the whole nine yards. And the thing about Bill is, like I mentioned in the show last week, he, because he was involved in photography and he's been going to races and stuff, he's got that connection. He's got that persona, you know, and and he's got, you know, the, the just, the, you know, people just gravitate to him. And uh, and because he can talk to talk, walk to walk. You know, that's the thing with any any profession, any field. You know, if people can talk to talk, walk to walk, you can sense that right away. So people want to be around that. Just like we talked about, you know, um, why certain events and why certain teams and, and certain things are, are successful is because you surround yourself. You have the idea. You might be the content person, but you surround yourself with really good people, just like you here. I surround myself with really good talent, uh, you know, like my uh, production engineer, Tommy in there, or Bobby, or something like that. I want to thank those guys because they're the ones that get up there and they make all this happen. The only thing I do is sit here and run my mouth, you know. I mean, I come up with some ideas, some content, a few things like that, and, you know, some of the, the gimmicks that we do on the show. But these guys put it all together for me, too. And uh, so, you know, it takes a team and it takes a good team and it takes a committed team and a dedicated team. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Tommy. And... Uh, on that note, uh, so Monterey, uh, to the end of August, end of July is the Shelby meet in Sonoma, California. And I want to go there really, 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 really bad. It's just, you know, sometimes it's just not enough time, not enough money, not enough everything, because it all takes time and money. But at any rate, so that's the big event, one. And then, of course, Bonneville Salt Flats, or the Bonneville Speed Week, that's the week after that. And I've always wanted to go to that. I've been invited to that many, many, many times. 
and then of course Monterey, and then I think this time they've kind of scheduled it. So I think the Woodward Dream Cruise is the week after that. Now I've never been to the Woodward Dream Cruise, but I've been to Woodward Avenue, and I've been there the week before the the event, but or two weeks before, or something like that. And uh, that's a spectacular event too. The car show that probably is the coolest car show for gearheads is SEMA. Because if you're a builder, a car enthusiast from a street racer standpoint, a muscle car guy, I mean, there's some sports car stuff there too, but, and, and they do throw some a good mix in, okay? Especially the JDM boys. They're there, you know, with the, with the tuner cars and stuff. But SEMA, that is, and that's coming up this fall. And so we're all gearing up for that too. SEMA is like, if you want to, all the guys you see on TV, they're there. They're at Amelia too. And they're at Monterey Collector Car Week and they'll be at Scottsdale. Those are the four major events. Scottsdale, Collector Car Week, or, you know, all the auctions and stuff. SEMA, Amelia Island, and Monterey. Those are the biggies. And then all the other ones in the middle. There's a whole bunch of really, really good events going on, you know, so that's cool. Anyway, on that note, I think Tommy's going to fire up the stereo one more time. And we're going to get our guests on the show here. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. There's a little humble pie.
his short cigar belongs to the man with no name. This long gun belongs to the man with no name. This poncho belongs to the man with no name. Rico! Don't you want to see me? What's wrong, Ramon? You losing your touch? Shoot to kill, you better hit the heart. Aim for the heart or you'll never stop me. No name. Danger fits him like a tight black glove. He is, perhaps, the most dangerous man who ever lived. Get three coffins ready. you laughing? You see, my mule don't like people laughing. He gets the crazy idea you're laughing at him. Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to, I might convince him that you really didn't mean it. My mistake, poor coffins. This man with no name is played by Clint Eastwood. He's going to trigger a whole new style in adventure. A Fistful of Dollars is the first motion picture of its kind. It won't be the last. Everybody, this is Mark Farner, the founding member of Grand Funk Railroad, and I'm listening to nostalgic radio in cars where they'll knock you alive. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. The gentleman is also a rock and roll guy. He's a founder, founding member, and lead singer for the psychedelic band, psychedelic blues and rock band of the '60s, late '60s, early '70s, Crow. They had some pretty wicked music. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Dave Wagner. Dave, how are you? Well, I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. So you're up there in uh, almost the Great White North. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, uh, up doing some uh, uh, shows up here in uh, Minneapolis, uh, the Minnesota area. Well, all right. So take us to the beginning. How uh, your 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 passion and your enthusiasm and your love and all that good stuff for music how did it how did it begin for you oh it just i don't know i i, I was kind of raised with it i uh i had a family that uh was involved with music all the time and had me playing piano or guitar or something when i was uh very young <laughs> and uh then i had a cousin 
that got into a uh, backing. All oh, this was like 1957. He was uh, real big in the uh, in the rock and roll when Elvis Presley came out that that era. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I, and I thought I got to see him. I was about 10 years old, I guess, 11 years old, something like that, when I seen him the first time. And I thought that's what I want to do. <laughs> and uh, and that's what I did. I started in doing it myself when I was. Uh, uh, not quite 15 years old. You know, it's interesting. I've heard that before, and I've probably said that too somewhere along. You hear somebody, you're influenced by someone, and you go, you know what? That's what I want to do when I get older. Mine was to be the world's greatest race car driver, but my mom said no to that. But the musical thing, I get that all together. So when you were uh, um, starting out, when when did you kind of go – Quasi, let's just say, you know, when, when more, more and more professional. You weren't real professional, but you were kind of on your way to professional. When did that all take place for you? Oh, that all took, I, I guess, uh, I'd want to say about 1967. Okay. So prior to that, when you were in high school, did, did you play a lot of high school band stuff? Uh, no, not really. No, really? I mean, it started out doing, you know, cover uh Stuff. I mean, I, I started out doing things like uh, Chuck Berry, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, Buddy Holly, and and uh, kind of graduated on until, of course, the English thing hit, and uh, that was like the biggie for me, and uh, I just decided that uh, uh, that was the time to, to start working towards being more professional and, and uh, uh, trying to write songs, and, you know. And get into it, and, and and cross your fingers and hope you get a hit record. So when you so you said 1970. So one of the first bands that you're kind of really known to have worked with or had some sort of uh, let's just say was you know legs to it was a, a band called the South called South Forty, right? Correct. All right. So who all did that include, and and how did that come about? Well, that that just came about. There was a couple of different groups. I I had a group called Joker's Wild and. Uh, uh, I knew a couple of other guys, uh, and their names were Dick and Larry Wiegand, and they had a group called the Ravons. And uh, we just kind of got together one day, uh, our, well, a booking agent that was booking both of us uh, decided, hey, these guys, if we took some from here and some from here, they'd make a really good group. So <laughs> that's what they did. And uh, Larry and Dick Wiegand were also uh, in the same band. Uh, we called it. Dave Middlemist, who was who we nicknamed Kink, uh, was with me. And other than the drummer, we we all we did was change our name to South Forty. Uh, and we uh, we stuck with that for quite a while until we started writing more suit, more songs and stuff. And we were doing more of an R and B thing. And uh, we just started writing more songs and decided it was uh, our drummer moved on. He didn't want to. He didn't want to do all the traveling and the work that we were doing. Got ourselves a new drummer and uh, just continued on. We went well. We actually went through about two or three drummers until we ran. We, we our last drummer who was uh, Denny Craswell, and he was the drummer for a group called the Castaways. If you remember them, yes, liar, liar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he started with us, and then that that was the what made Crow up. Then was the five of us. Okay, Crow. Where did that name come from, and how did it originate? 
<laughs> Crow came from. Uh, uh, we we all thought of some different names and said we just couldn't come up with a name that we all liked. And we we took uh, we probably had about six seven names. We threw in a hat one day and we says okay we're we need to change our name, and uh, we just picked the name from the hat and Crow was the one that came up. Interesting. So who takes credit for throwing that in the, in the hat? Actually, it was Kink. It was our uh, our keyboard. Okay. That, that had thrown that one in there. All right. He's still with you, right? Uh, yes, he is. So how many of the original band members are still to, together with you? It's I'm still the bass player, Larry Wiegand, uh-huh. and uh, Kink on, on Hammond, mm-hmm. and myself, and of course. And then uh, uh, the drummer has been with me for... About twenty five years or so. Okay, that's uh, Mark Chico Perez. Uh, no, no. His name is Norm Stefan. Oh, Norm Stefan. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, um, Chico was uh, uh, he was our road manager actually, who sat in uh, on some of the uh, uh, the album cuts and stuff, and he would do percussion for us. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, then he started playing every so often. He'd do live jobs with us and stuff, but. Uh, uh, once we did break up, he was, then he was, did you ever hear the band Gypsy? Yes. Okay, well, he was with a group called Gypsy then after we, uh, parted ways. They actually did a song, Gypsy Part 1, Gypsy Part 2. Right. Now, wait a minute, they were a Minnesota band too, weren't they? They were a Minnesota band too. In fact, we're working with them here in, uh, uh, October. We're doing a show together. Well, the lead singer, he's no longer, he, one of the members passed away, right, or something like that, the original founder? Uh, two Two of them did. Okay, uh, are are gone now. But uh, James Walsh is the uh, who is the keyboard player and, and does all this thing. And uh, now he uh, he's been with them ever since the beginning. Well, I actually have their album, believe it or not. And uh, so that's interesting. Um, how many bands? In other words, so back in the day in the '60s, up in Minnesota, you know, because I'm from Northern Cal, so you know, and obviously near San Francisco, so everybody knows what the music scene was like in LA and San Francisco. It was huge, and uh, but you know, we always everybody overlooks the fact that wait a minute, Minnesota had had their kind of music, Chicago had their kind of music, you know, right. Detroit had their music, and and so on and so on. So what was the music scene like in in uh, in the '60s in Minnesota when you guys were really trying to you know make some headway there? Well, it really was, it, it was it kind of at a standstill, it seemed like, around here. I mean, we had uh, the Castaways and the Trashmen had kids coming out of here, which was surf music, right? basically. And uh, we weren't, we had no interest in that. Uh, so anyways, we packed up and, and moved to Chicago. Okay. <laughs> we want to, we actually, we want to uh, sort of a battle of the bands kind of, thing uh uh in iowa and uh they liked us and we packed up our bags and moved to chicago and that's where we really got going on uh we recorded our first album and and got going on uh more of uh our own sound and and look and everything we everything started to change a lot once we got to chicago the song evil woman which is a great song, okay? And your version of it is excellent. Um, but how, how did the who wrote the lyrics? How did the song come about? And what was the inspiration for that song? I wrote the lyrics. Okay. 
And uh, the bass player, Larry Wiegand, and his brother, Dick Wiegand, was the, was the lead guitar player. They uh, did the music for it. I had music in my head, but I, I needed them to put it together. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it basically came from, we had, uh, at the time, uh, I knew a guy that was sort of going through uh, some of what the song talks about. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was kind of uh, a deal. It was sort of about him and his experience and then uh, just taking some imagination on my part. And just kind of tying, tying things together. So how did, when you, when you come up with a song like that, and it's a pretty hardcore rock music song, okay, how do you come up with the music side of it? Is that in your head, too, when you're writing the lyrics? It, yeah, it, it basically, uh, you know, I would say, not the whole thing, I would say I had an idea mm-hmm. about the music, but I needed Dick and Larry to to bring it all around. They're, they were the the musicians that I tried to I explain a little bit to them, and then they brought it around. Because the bass line in that song is yeah, is really right. good. And, and you were a former bass player, right? So did that have I some was. influence in that song? Not really. No, that was all Larry. No, that was all Larry. Uh, Larry's just a—he's—he's uh, he's a great bass player, and uh, that was all his line and his doing. Well, I want you to know I can actually play part of that on guitar. I play a little bass and a little rhythm, you know, but I tinker around. But I, like I told you before, I, when we were talking earlier, I play some riffs and stuff. But that and there's bass lines really make a song, and that's the song that—that's the part that kind of that or riff. Hang in your head, and then also the title of the song. It's it's you, uh-huh. it's a total package there, buddy. Yeah, well, thank you. How does it feel to have someone like Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath do a cover, and then Ike and Tina Turner put their spin on it? And I honestly didn't... I remember hearing the song, but I never really thought of it. When I was doing my research, I actually played it a couple times. She changed it to Evil Man, not Woman. Right, right. She changed it to Evil Man, and I... Uh... I actually, uh, I never got to, to meet her. We, uh, uh, I talked to her on the phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> we were out in L.A. We were doing some recording and stuff, and uh, I got to talk on the phone with them, but we were busy in the studio, and they were busy road work-wise and all this. We just couldn't work it out to, to get together. But uh, they made, you know, I love the, I like the way they did it. I love the way, she, of course, well, uh, Tina Turner can do no wrong in my book. <laughs> she's she's great. Oh, fantastic! Uh, I wasn't crazy about Black Sabbath's version that much. Um, I felt I don't know. There was something about it. I just wasn't real uh, excited about their version. Uh, but they only did that in uh, in a European release. Uh, mm-hmm. It was never released in the states until uh, many years, you know, years later. Uh, I can't remember the name of. Uh, I think actually, it was on that uh, that four. They did that four CD thing, mm-hmm. and I think I know it was on that one. But well, uh, it might have been released one, uh, before that over here. I'm not really sure. But. So when somebody wants to do a cover of your song, what is the procedure? They have to call you, get a hold of you guys, get the permission to use it, and then do they have to pay you royalty rights or some sort of uh, monetary? Well, well, we get we get royalty royalty rights for, it, but they uh, uh, they basically go right to the publishing company. That okay, go to us. But they went to the publishing company and get the release and, and stuff. Uh, you know, the okay to do it. Now, when you guys do a song, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, that's all right. When you guys do a song, is this part of the original contractual stuff? So, I mean, are you guys apprised of the fact that, well, somebody might want to do a cover of your song, we need to have contingencies in the contract for this kind of stuff. Do they do that? Uh, no. No. I mean, well, especially back then. I mean, now it's a little different. But, you know, back then, uh, we pretty pretty much got ripped off of, of a lot of our royalties and stuff. And, and, and not just us. I mean, many different groups did. Uh, in the 50s and the 60s, that was... Uh, it was one of those things that happened, and it was a shame, but uh, a lot of people got, they they lost all of their royalties and stuff, signed papers they didn't even know they were signing, you know. Just bad management. I mean, that's just terrible, and, and unscrupulous managers. It's it's really sad, isn't it? For sure. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's changed a lot now. The, I think I think the newer musicians and, and stuff like that are, are much more aware of, of, of the legalities of everything. So when you were first doing some of your hit songs, and let's go back to maybe did you you had an album with South Forty too though didn't you? Uh, yeah, we did a, a live album with South Forty. Okay, so when you were in those days, in the early days, the infancy of of, of your groups, regard uh, you know either South Forty or or Crow, did you go through the? A period where you you wanted your records to have airplay. Did you go to the radio stations and talk to the disc jockey and try to slide them a radio a record or anything like that? Did did you ever have any of those experiences? Yes, I mean we did for the fact off of the live album, uh-huh. which was on a small label here in the, uh, just in the Midwest, uh, Minnesota, actually Minnesota area, uh, covered some of the Dakotas and Wisconsin, but. Uh, yeah, we went to radio stations. And we'd do interviews. We'd do phone, whatever, whatever it took to try and get some more airplay and stuff. We, we, uh, we did our best to promote it. But when you, once we got uh, pro and the first album, then they handled a lot of the promo when it comes to that stuff. Okay, who are some of the bands that you opened up for or opened up for you that later became successful as well? Oh gosh, we we opened up and worked with so many different groups. That we we did a lot of stuff with Iron Butterfly. No kidding. And uh, uh, we toured with Janis Joplin. Oh wow! I was with uh, we we're actually with uh, uh, the Animals, and then later on with Eric Burden several different times. Steppenwolf, Steve Miller Band, uh, Bo Diddley, the band Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I I mean I, I guess I could go on forever. We, we worked with a lot, a lot of different groups back then. Uh, I'm trying to think, is it, and I don't remember if it was Cottage Cheese or one of the other songs, Slow Down. But one of the songs off one of your albums has a little bit of a Blood, Sweat, and Tears uh, influence. And of course, you know they're out of Chicago, I believe, right? So uh, no, Blood, Sweat, and Tears was out of New York. Oh, they're out of New York. Okay, for some reason I thought they were Chicago. Um, Chicago was out of. Chicago. Chicago was out of Chicago. Okay, I'm yeah. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you get when you, because in terms of music, because you you did a little uh, you know blues obviously, um, uh-huh. R and B psychedelic stuff, rock stuff. Is there a from a music from a musician standpoint and from your standpoint as a, as a songwriter and a musician? Do you like the variety where you could because it's it's a it's a it's a taste thing. It's something you want to do, or do you like just being associated with one style of music? No, I like the variety. I, okay, I uh, 
we actually our band strive for for variety. We like to mix things up. We did a we had a couple of songs that were country tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it was and back in those days, you it seemed like you could get away with it more. Uh, although when Evil Woman hit, you know the first thing that the label said was, "You got to write another song like Evil Woman." We want the same thing, and I we just we all said no. That I mean. Evil woman is evil woman, and now it's time to move on, you know. Um, they didn't like that too well. <laughs> when, when I've, I've heard the term, and other musicians have said this, and listen, I want to hear your, your, your thoughts on it. When they say, we want music that's more commercial. Oh, yeah. So, so what does that mean? If, how do you interpret that? <sighs> ah, boy, and, I, and musicians hate that term, don't they? Uh, well, a lot of them do. You know, commercial, well, of course, if you remember back in those days, in, in the uh, late 60s, uh, early 70s, they had what we called a lot of bubblegum music, mm-hmm. and, which, and that was commercial music. Uh, and what makes, I think, what makes songs commercial, uh, where they're going to play them on, uh, back, it's different nowadays, but back then you were looking at AM and FM was two totally different th- deals. Okay. And uh, in order to get AM airplay, you had to pretty much come up with commercial things, and it, it means hook lyrics. Okay, um, hook lyrics. Um, yeah, you get you get if you get the right hook to a song where it sticks in people's head. Well, that's a commercial tune. Okay, I get it. Okay, you know what? You're the first person to ever really explain that. I never really. Now I get it. It makes perfectly good sense. So it's kind of like a sing along thing. So it's in people's heads, yeah. and it's like that. It's like a jingle. Right. It's. Uh, I wish I could. Uh, like, give me, give me some loving. Okay. Uh, uh, that was. You know, there's certain tunes like that that are, like I say, they just that uh, you hear it, and the next morning you're still singing it in your head and wishing it would go away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I call commercial. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> so where? So what's the future now um, with uh, Crow? You're kind of back together. You're still playing, but you play you you play on a kind of li- like a limited basis, right? Right. Yeah. We uh, we get out to uh, well, of course, last year with all of the COVID thing that went on, we uh, I think we did one outdoor concert out in Deadwood, South Dakota. Um, and this year, nobody knew really what was going to go on at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we uh, uh, we're doing a couple. We do we're doing a show here with uh, oh I can't even think of who all's on it uh, uh, called Moon Dance up here in northern Minnesota that uh, uh, we're doing this year here in a couple of weeks. So I'm up rehearsing now for that. Okay. And and then uh, we've got another one with Gypsy coming up in the fall. Okay. And. And after that, we're just, uh, we don't know, you know, what, what's going to go on with, we're uh, thinking about uh, trying to find an agent, maybe doing some uh, stuff, uh, getting back out again, but uh, it all boils down to what's going to happen here in the, in the near future. Interesting. Now, you spent part of your time in uh, Arizona. Tell us about that and how that happened. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I just... I can't put up with winners no more. <laughs> okay, I got that. So about 15 years ago, I packed up and moved to Arizona, and and, uh, and then when I'm in Arizona, I do about I spend about oh I guess eight months a year out down there, uh-huh. eight to nine months, 
And when I'm down there, I do a little solo act and, and stuff, and uh, and I do mostly country music. Really? Yeah, I uh, I do a lot of the uh, the older, like more like outlaw country, that type of thing. Okay. So and where do you pl- do so solo. do you play like in uh, in the Scottsdale area? Um, I play more into the uh, Mesa. Oh, Mesa. Okay, that's by the college. Mesa and Apache. And Tempe. That area. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you know, we're not going to have to hook you up with some of the car guys up there because, you know, in, in January, all the car people are down there. And, you know, you guys got a great uh, background, a great history, Crow. I mean, heck, yeah, we should need to get you hooked up with some of the guys that are doing some gigs over there and uh, some of the nightclubs and stuff. Yeah, uh, they, uh, they, uh, they got in, in the wintertime, we got a whole lot of people down there with between the cars and, and motorcycles. We got lots. That's right. You're a motorcycle guy, too. So you do a lot of cruising? Yeah. Yeah, I did up until probably the last year and a half or so. Uh, uh, yeah, I did lots. I've been riding since I was 15 years old, and um, I just kind of got to a point where uh, uh, it was hard for the wife to get out with me. And we like to do road trips and stuff. Uh, I had the uh, NFLH was my last scooter that I had. Yeah, we we like long trips. And it got hard for her to do those, so I just kind of uh, decided, well, I didn't need to do that either then anymore. So, Well, you also did some trips to Sturgis, and you played a few gigs there, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I did. Uh, I've probably done, I've done Sturgis probably. I wrote it about 15 times uh-huh. uh, for about 15 years, but I uh, I uh, played out there probably a half a dozen times, I guess. Uh, we uh, We used to play Buffalo Chips out there. I've done that several times. And uh, the last time I was out there was about, I want to say, five years ago now or something like that. And I don't even remember the name. It was a new outdoor uh, place that they had put up. We did it. was uh, John Kay and us. Oh, Steppenwolf. Yeah. And uh, we did we did that one. And that's the last time. I haven't been out there now in the last five or six years, something like that. So besides the motorcycle, we got a minute or so left. Besides motorcycles and your and your music, what uh, what, are, what what other hobbies do you have? Oh, that's about it, really. That's about it. Cycles, music, and mostly music anymore nowadays. Yeah, I just, I, uh, I like spending. I practice every day all by myself. I like spending time, you know, playing. So. Do you um, uh, ever get asked to co-write any songs with any other musicians? Uh. Yeah, once in a while, we've actually uh, the bass player and I are we're talking about uh, doing a little bit of recording here uh, in the next couple of weeks. We're looking at some things and seeing what we can come up with. Do you think is there like the the idea of getting out there and playing a lot and? Your, what's your audience like? Is it a younger audience? Is it our generation, like the guys like me that you know listened to you back in the day when we were kids? Uh, it's it's mostly it's it's mostly I would say you know a, a little older audience. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But we do get uh, we get younger people in that you know that say wow you know this stuff they don't we don't like the music they're doing now we like the stuff you guys are doing. That's cool. So it's it's. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of surprises you, but uh, uh, you adjust too. Like I said, we do mostly outdoor things, or we do um, larger clubs, and, and we'll do earlier hours because people that come out and listen to us, they don't want to be there till two o'clock in the morning. 
know they they want to be they want to be home by that time. So we uh, do uh, usually do earlier set. I'll do like uh, uh, go on at nine, and we're done at like ten thirty. Oh wow! And um, it seems to work out well at the places that we do. Excellent. Well, Dave, if people want to find out more about you and Crow, where do they go? They can go to our uh, uh, the band uh, thecrowband dot com. Thecrowband.com. Okay. Hey, any plans to come to Florida? I would love to. If if we get a chance, we would love to come back down there. Okay. We haven't been in Florida for, uh, we were down there uh, about 17 years ago is the last time I've been there. Where'd you play? We were down at uh, Fort, we were in Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Okay. That's just straight south of us, about three and a half. Well, Dave, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at uh, Nostalgic Radio Cars. It was certainly a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, we certainly dig your music. So uh, all the best to you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Florida sometime. Well, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Take care. I want to thank my special guest, Dave Wagner, from uh, the band Crow. Just a really groovy band out of the... uh, Late 60s, early 70s, you know. Check out their music. Go to the website, The Crow Band. And don't forget, uh, if you want to f- listen to some more fascinating and legendary people in uh, in the world of motorsports and music, don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network here in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to follow us on our social media. And, hey, get out and drive your cars. I want to see some of the car shows, some of the music festivals. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.